1: And welcome back to Ladies Who Law School Podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And this week's episode is sponsored by BarCast Audio, the bar prep material that you guys need. BarCast Audio has podcast-like audio lessons that are great to listen to. I know I've already been using them for constitutional law this semester as I get ready to study individual rights. We had our giveaway last week and three lucky listeners get to explore Barcast Audio and all they have to offer and I know I'm really excited for them about that. For all of you taking the
0: bar exam this year and if you're just in law school trying to get ahead on studying for finals, of course, BarCast Audio has a special offer just for listeners of our show. So if you order right now, you can get 10% off your BarCast MBE pack, which includes access to audio lessons, essay workshops, attack sheets for all seven MBE subjects. And next month, contracts in criminal law will be available on BarCast. So that's really exciting for you 1Ls that are about to take those exams This semester. So use the promo code LWLS at checkout at BarCastAudio.com. That's LWLS at BarCastAudio.com.
1: So guys, this week we have a very special guest. He is the founder of the largest personal injury law firm in Michigan. He has so much good advice, you guys. He graduated top of his class in law school, and he is just such a pleasure to talk to. Please help me welcome Mr. Mike Morse. Okay, Mike, tell me a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I'm an attorney for almost 30 years here in Detroit, Michigan. I have a, we run the largest uh, personal injury law firm in Michigan with 150 legal professionals, over 40 lawyers, and it's it's been a fun ride. I I did it uh, kind of by myself. I don't have uh, any partners, um, and we do mostly auto accidents and and those kind of things. That kind of typical personal injury firm, but it's been uh, it's been a great ride. I taught law school for a few years, wrote a book last year, and um, just having a really good time.
0: So let's go back to the beginning before you opened your own firm and you were a professor. Let's talk about
2: law school for a little bit.
0: So where did you go to law school and why did you decide to attend that school?
2: So my dad was an attorney growing up and I saw his enjoyment of the law. He loved the law. I loved his clients. I went to court and watched him um, in his element. I went to his office with him as a child and him and I were going to be partners together. So I knew that my whole life. I went to university of Arizona for undergrad said, all right, I'm going to come back to one of the Detroit law schools to be with my dad. Got in. Um, There was only a few. Uh, My grades were okay at Arizona, not fantastic. And I got in, got got to law school thinking I was literally the dumbest uh, student there because everybody's raising their hand and they're reading these cases. And I'm thinking, where, where did, where was that written in this? I literally thought I was going to fail out my first year and uh, ended up doing, you know, top 10 of my class. Shockingly, you know, I, 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 first time in my life, I really thought, okay, I'm not as dumb as I thought. Unfortunately, in the middle of my first year exams in in May, my dad uh, passed away from a heart attack. So that kind of put the kibosh on uh, partnering and had to decide in the moment, you know, and you guys can remember, I know you're both past first year, that that was a, you know, crazy uh, exams. And I literally thought, am I going to go through with this anymore? Because, you know, the guy I wanted, the guy I did it for was no longer there to do it. That lasted about a day or two. And then I'm like, yeah, what else am I going to do? I'm going to finish law school, finished law school and got a job. And, uh, you know, I think there's a high percentage of people who end up practicing the law after their first job that they get out of law school from what I see in my world here in Michigan. And it's what happened to me. I, I got a job at a personal injury firm. It was a connection through my dad. They knew my dad. The guy clerked for my dad. It was a great experience until three years into the job. They, they fired me. So that was interesting. Right. And um, and I debated, do I ever want to deal with this again and risk getting fired and being humiliated and and, and all this again? Or am I going to hang a shingle? And so I started uh, the Mike Morse. It was called a uh, Michael Morse P.C. or something like that, and um, I rented a little office and I rented furniture, and I shared it with nine other lawyers, and we had a shared receptionist, and I didn't have a lot of money. you know, I started my journey then, and that was 1995, and uh, still still at it. all these this is our 25th anniversary. Actually, this year's 2020, 20, 20, 25th anniversary. I
1: think that the part of your story that really interests me is the part where you said that you got fired and you came to the point where you were like, Do I want to have this happen to me again, potentially, or do I want to hang my own shingle? So, with that being said, what were some of your first steps to like hang your shingle? Like, what does that look like?
2: Yeah. So that is an interesting process. And luckily, you know, for law students now, I mean, first of all, I don't recommend it right out of law school. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. Okay. I recommend, you know, when I was teaching law school, it was a second, third year elective class. And I, and I really told my students that you, you need experience out in the world. And my dad actually told me that first year summer, uh, he wanted me to clerk at another firm, not for him, because he wanted me to get real experience. He wanted me to be judged by other lawyers. He wanted me to learn from other lawyers. You guys know there's a ton they're not teaching right now in law school that you're going to learn once you get out. And so I took his advice. I got a a job at at another law firm and I learned the law. And I also recommended to my students that they should clerk during law school so you have something to talk about in your interviews. Guys, I don't know about you, but my first interview, I, I think it was in the first year, I signed up I, went, I got some interviews. I went there. They asked me questions. I had no good answers because I had nothing to talk about. I was just in law school. I, I went from University of Arizona to law school to an interview, and I had nothing good to talk about. First year, you're not doing anything. You're just studying, and you're taking tests. So you need stuff to talk about in these, def, in, in these, in these interviews. So clerking, you could talk because stuff's going to happen to you when you're clerking. I like clerking for law firms rather than judges, but I know a lot of people like to go the judge route. Um, I have lots of feelings and thoughts about that, but either way, you need to work because you could talk about working for a judge. You could talk about working for a law firm when they ask you a question about something. What do you like? What's some challenges? What are you good at? What do you need help with? All that comes out in your clerkship. So I luckily had lots of lots of experience, and I kind of watched. So I worked for a few years and i watched what it was like to run a law firm i and i watched how not to run a law firm okay so you need to have some entrepreneurial spirit to eventually one day set up a law firm and most of you guys and myself don't have that most lawyers aren't entrepreneurs they're good lawyers but they're not good business people right and that's what my book's about fireproof it's about running law firms and I, you know, when my publisher said to me, Michael, what would make this book a success in five years or 10 years, whatever his question was, I said, one day I would love it if this was mandatory reading for law students, because I wrote this book last year with law students, with me in mind, in law school. I wish I had read this book when I was in law school, because it's real practical. It's not real long. It's um, you know, tells my story, but it also tells real world advice on how to do what I do did. And, you know, from the guerrilla marketing that you have to do when you get out and how I begged and pleaded for cases and, you know, you work for free if you have to, or, you know, you, you split the fees because you can't afford to take a case on your own. I mean, there's so many things that I talk about in the book that um, to answer that question a little better is, you know, you need cases. And how are you going to get cases? You can go get some criminal assignments for a couple hundred, a few hundred bucks, but you need cases, whether you're a corporate lawyer, whether you're a criminal lawyer, whether you're a personal injury lawyer, you need cases. So how do you get those cases, right? And that's, I mean, there's, there's a million books on it. Um, I could talk more about it, but it's... Um, it's really about guerrilla marketing and asking every single person you know and every lawyer in town and, and emailing and knocking on doors and being the squeaky wheel and then doing really good legal work. So the clients then called them and said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for sending me to Michael or Emily or whoever. And, and, and that was the greatest thing. Um, you, you do special things. You, you pay the lawyers referral fees or whatever you can pay them ethically in your state. Um, and you just do a really good job and you get to be known. And that's kind of what I did. I took on trials for free. I said, you don't have to pay me unless I win. And if I win, I want to split the fee with you. And they loved that. And I would win because if I didn't win, I didn't eat. (laughs) And when you're kind of desperate like that, you learn how to win. And you learn how to find ways to make sure those clients are happy. And if those clients call you at 10 o'clock at night, you call them back because you don't want them calling the referring attorney saying, "Uh, she didn't call me back. He didn't call me back. Right? That's the worst. So you learn your customer service skills. I learned my customer service skills by being a waiter for so many years and putting myself through college and high school and law school. But I'm a huge proponent of the service, food service industry. But that's another story. You know, you got to you got to learn all of these things when you're coming out. So I know it's a long answer to your question, but but there's a lot to it and there's good resources out there. You know, there's a book called The E-Myth. lawyers that i really really like and that it it says just because you're a good lawyer doesn't mean you can run a law practice and my book kind of dovetails from that 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 most lawyers are are crappy business people and don't have no business running a law firm but if they really want to there's some resources and books and, and things that you can learn it's it's a learned thing but for the most part you guys don't know it don't know how to do it until you until you learn
1: We'll be right back.
0: Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible.
1: Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries.
0: And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime.
1: Speaking of thrillers, I know you are currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion
1: wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers.
0: As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing.
1: So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer.
0: So if someone were to ask you five things that they would want to know before starting their own firm, what would those five things be on the most important on your list?
2: I would read e I would read Fireproof. I would read, get everything, read everything you can get your hands on. That's the first thing. You know, you have to, it's, it's like a law school class. Take law practice management in law school. Start working on your networking and email list and social media and make connections in law school. This is off the top of my head. You guys are throwing good questions at me. But making those connections early, because one of my biggest referral sources was, one, was a guy in my law school class. He sent me hundreds of cases my first few years. He's still a dear friend of mine, but, but I didn't know it. And I wish somebody would have told me this when I was sitting in your seats. And hopefully, you're going to think a little differently when you go to law school And, 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 and hopefully the people listening will like you look around, you know, no, they don't talk about this in law school. Like the people sitting around you, you're going to be your first people. You're going to have somebody who does divorce, somebody who does employment, somebody who does personal injury, somebody who does corporate, criminal, whatever. And, and you're going to want to refer them those cases. So then when you guys set up your shop or when you're working at your first corporate job, you're going to send them an email saying, Hey guys, I'm now doing this. And. It's probably easier now to connect like that than it was back when I went to law school because we didn't even have laptops in our law school and and we didn't have that kind of stuff. So, so, um, you know, start thinking about marketing, thinking about building an email list, thinking about social media. What you guys are doing with this podcast is absolutely brilliant. I'm sure you're making lots of friends and lots of connections. Um, So when you do get out, you'll land great jobs, you'll hang a great shingle, or you'll have that. But it's super important. I mean... The hardest part about a law firm is the biz, getting the business. It's not running the cases. I mean, yes, that's, of course, challenging, but that's what you guys were, just went to seven years of school for. It, it, it's getting the cases. And I don't know if anybody ever says those words out loud. You, you see all the advertisements. I mean, that's the hardest part is getting that case. Uh, the third one, I would say learn everything you can about human resources. And hiring and firing and rewarding and recognizing um, people. And lawyers suck at hiring and firing and uh, rewarding people. It's just not an innate ability. They don't know how to do it. Um, They do a quick interview and they're like, okay, I like you. I like the way you look. I like the way you talk. You're hired. Bad. Um, We do lots of testing. We test every single employee, psychological tests. Uh, see how smart they are tests personality tests, everything to make it uh better i we test ourselves I've been tested several times um so it's a benchmark so so I know who I'm hiring. I think that's very very important knowing your numbers, knowing your data so I didn't get this tip for thirteen years after setting up my shop, and I wish I had it on day one. It's another reason I think I would like people um, and I would give away all these books and and happy to send out copies it's it's it talks a lot about data and data is important like how many calls are you getting and how many cases are you getting and how much money you're making and how much profit you're making and which cases are the most profitable and on, and on and on and on and on and on you keep yourself a little jumbotron and keep track of it every year so you can go back and look and 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 you'll, and you'll say wait a minute i just spent 70 percent of my time working on these type of cases but i only made this much money an hour But these types of cases, whoa, I made five times the price. I'm going to go out and get those cases. And I mean, that's a very simplistic thing. But if you guys can understand that on day one, I think it's it's crucial. And then number five, I'm going to go with branding yourself early, like you guys are doing right now in this podcast. Brand early. So I saw your swag, I saw your sweatshirts, I saw your mugs, love all that stuff, and that's, just think about that when you, in a law firm, and people don't think like that. You know, we're not doing some consulting with some law firms because of the book, and um, they, most lawyers just suck at self-promotion, asking for the case, uh, being good marketers, being good advertisers. Um, most of the websites are lame. Most of the social media you see for lawyers. I mean, come on, guys. It's just horrible. And, you know, you look at their Google My Business pages and they have like 3.2 stars and wow. 20 reviews. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that hard. And so, I kind of did that early and and I had a little bit of a personality and, you know, the second I came up, I have a phone number 855 Mike wins. And the second I came up with that, you know, I changed my URL 855 Mike wins.com. Everything I do is about winning and wins. um, And that was kind of my brand. That was my shtick. That was my thing. And everything is built around that. And it worked for me. Everybody's got something. And if you don't, you got to figure it out. And You know, we're talking to law students right now. So the sooner you figure it out, the better. Figure it out in law school. Go grab yourself a vanity number. Grab yourself your URL for your website now. Don't wait. Grab 10 of them. Grab five of them. Read, you know, the best research is looking at other people's websites, other people's social media. I send to this day, and I don't need to do anything else with my stuff, but I see a great website. I see a great social media post. I forward it to my marketing team. I like this. I just right before this podcast, I was on a call with a, another law firm's marketing director because I saw something they were doing. I befriended the owner of the law firm. He said, he sent me all of his swag, he sent me these great boxes of goodies that they send to their clients at the beginning of the case and the end of the case. I don't do that. I'm like, <sighs> i've been doing this 30 years i thought what a great idea he's like oh michael anything i can do for you i got on the phone with the marketing director how much you call pay for this who do you get it from etc right i'm i'm taking ideas from other people but i'm doing it honestly i'm not you know ripping them off i literally called him we're having lunch in two weeks when i'm in phoenix because just so i can thank him um but it, it, like like don't be afraid and and can i give you a sixth one Of course. You know, what I find with law students, and, and I, I, you know, not too many of them call me, not too many of them reach out to me for mentorship, um, but I, I've never said no. And I don't think you guys, I'm not talking about you guys, but I'm, I'm lumping you in with every law student mm-hmm. out there. Um, I don't think you guys are bold enough. I don't think you guys ask enough. You're, I don't think you're courageous enough. Uh, take those risks. Who cares if a lawyer doesn't respond to you? uh at you but you better ask a hundred people um and one of them is gonna be your mentor or and maybe get lucky and have two or three mentorship is really really crucial and and, and fun and exciting and you never know I mean I've ended up hiring people that have, have just sent me random emails whether it be an internship a clerkship become a, a lawyer my law firm I've absolutely done that and, and and be creative be thoughtful um um you know know what that lawyer's doing. Like for me, you know, you know, comment on one of my podcast episodes and, and, and like my stuff and give me a review or send me, you know, something funny or send me something in the mail, be the squeaky wheel. It's not annoying. It's, it's flattering and I like it and I respond and lawyers want to help. Most lawyers I know want to help. That's why we went into this profession, right? So if you guys email me and say, you know, Mike, I, I, I love your stuff and I love your podcast and I love what you do for your community. And thanks for giving out 167,000 backpacks to the Detroit kids. Can I help you? Can I come work for you? I'll work for you for free. I, I'd love a paid internship. I, I'm doing this. I need help. Uh, you know, I'd love to shadow. Just take a tour of your firm. Yes to everything, right? I'm not saying no, I'm especially if they took the time to get to know me and get to know my stuff and took the time to write me a nice email. Um. And I don't know what jurisdictions everybody's in, but try it. And I think if I could, listen, I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know. I'm not in the heads of all these other lawyers, but lawyers want to help, especially law students. We want, we want this, pro- We most of us love the profession and want to have it succeed and want you guys to succeed. So, you know, be bold, be curious, be courageous. Um, don't just send BS emails, you know. Dig in a little bit to that person. Don't send them up to a thousand people, the same email, make sure there's no typos, make sure it's personal. Don't use, don't spell my name wrong. Um, and that happens by the way, I'm saying, giving you things that I see from, from not just lawsuits from anybody, you know, dear Mr. Morris, M O R R I S spell my name wrong. I'm not responding. Okay. I'm not, I don't, I get, we all get 500 emails a day, right? If it's junk or if it's spam, or if it's not thoughtful and not personal, I'm not responding. So make it memorable. And and that's, I like that. I think that's a good number six. I think that's a, um something that I don't see enough of.
1: That's awesome. I mean, we totally preach being bold here. It's really important to take risks and on yourself of all things, right? So glad to be validated in that. I want you to know that I asked a judge in Texas kind of a similar question about um, how she felt about cold emailing or cold calling when lawsuits didn't do that to chat or, you know, get a tour or whatever. And she said she loves it. And she gave a lot of the same advice that you did. And so... I'm really glad we could get that on the record because it needs to be heard amongst law students.
0: Yes, I think that just knowing that lawyers are not, I think they think like, okay, they're so prestigious and kind of scary. And, you know, if I get rejected, they're going to know that, oh, I reached out and, you know, I, I do think that it's good advice though, to just reach out. Cause that's what we've done before and our friends have done that before and they end up getting jobs.
2: So you just, you know, it's like dating, right? You got to ask out 10 people to get a date, they say. Right. <laughs> and um, it's, it's yeah. I, I I love the advice. I love that the judge said that. Um, And, and hopefully I gave a few little tidbits on, you know, being a little bit creative, right. Because, and, and I love it that you, you said something really smart that, that, People are under the impression that everybody's so busy that they can't respond. But especially th- these days, we're all on our phones and emails all hours of the night. And so, I like the distraction, even if it's nine o'clock at night. I'm still looking at my emails. Right? To be watching TV, watching a movie, being with my kids on a Peloton, whatever. And 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 you see that. I mean, it's and, and, and think especially in this day and age, do not be don't be shy. And you never know what's going to happen. Like you said, you can get a job.
1: What would you say is one of the top things that makes a firm successful? Just kind of steering it into your book and firm success and post-grad success for us. I mean, like you said, we probably won't hang our shingle for many years down the road, but I know that's something that I'm very interested in. So what would you say success looks like?
2: The number one thing that we talk about In the book Fireproof, is that lawyers can't do everything. You guys, once you're out, once you hang that shingle in two to 10 years, whatever it is, there's a lot to running a law firm in the business sense. Okay, I'm just talking general business, accounting, and hiring and firing, and data, and just management and leading. Okay. You're not learning that in law school. I didn't learn it in law school. I luckily had some good mentors. I luckily was steered to get a coach, a business coach. Luckily, had I not done it, I mean, my firm grew from 30 people to 150 people once I understood the business metrics. 99% of the solos out there have one, two, three lawyers and a few staff and under 10 people. And that's because they don't know how to scale. They don't know how to Grow a firm, they don't know how to run a firm. Can they handle 100 cases with two or three people and run around and make a nice living? Yes. But if you really want to turn it into a business and be very successful, you asked me how to run a successful firm, and whatever the definition of success is money, freedom, whatever, right? You need to have somebody at your firm, could be a non lawyer who's either an office manager. A COO, once you can afford that person to do all the things that I just mentioned, all the things listed in ebook, all the things listed in Fireproof, you will be able to then really, truly focus on your clients and on doing the things that you love to do and that you're really good at. And you fill in the blanks. And we talk about how to figure out. In the book, we have a four-quadrant exercise where you figure out what you love to do and what you're great at. And You guys aren't going to know this for a while, but just imagine in life, in general, just doing the things that you love to do and you're great at and, and, and delegating all the other stuff. Could you imagine? That's my life. Now, it took me a long time to get there, but I don't do the things that I don't love to do and I'm not great at. And even in my personal life now, quite frankly, I have a great assistant who does stuff I don't want to do, right? If I don't have time to go pick up a prescription or pick up this or pick up that, I have somebody who does it. Now, obviously, that comes with success in a great law firm. But you asked me about what breeds success. And it was learning how to delegate, having somebody at the firm who can run the business aspects of the firm because I was a lawyer. So I did. I found an MBA who was my COO. And he was doing the hiring and the firing and the managing and making sure all the trains were leaving on time and everything was handled. I was doing everything for the first 12, 13 years. I grew to about 30 people, which was a lot. I then couldn't do any more. I learned how to run a business and I exploded beyond my wildest dreams. So understanding how to run a business is mandatory before you hang that shingle. Mandatory. And you're not going to be able to afford a COO right away, but just knowing that that's coming, just knowing that concept. I wish I had that concept. I would have done it five years earlier. I could have afforded it five years earlier. I didn't even hear that concept. And so I just, just put that in the back of your brains, that one day you're not going to be running around doing everything. And then the second you can afford it, hopefully you'll remember, Mike, back in the day when you're doing your podcast, and, and you find that person to help you.
0: So when you're hiring a legal intern, what are you looking for in a legal intern? What qualities, um, specific skill sets, what are, what are the important things?
2: I like smart people. I like personable people. I like, you know, I'm, I'm big on personalities. And confidence is really important to me. Um, again, we test everybody. So you can't kind of hide if you're not smart, we're going to find out. If you're not personal, we're going to find out. Um, if you don't, you know, we drop some tests in there. Hey, call me at 1115 Friday. Well, if you call me at 1120, you're not getting the job. If there's typos in your cover letter or your resume, you're not getting past the front door. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of sloppiness these days, um, And people who don't want to take the time to take the test or don't want to take the time to do what we ask or, you know, provide what we ask. Um, But I personally now, mind you, I have a full HR department. I'm not seeing the resumes anymore on a day to day basis, but I used to. So so all I can do is talk about, you know, what I like. But, you know, again, I, I, I touched on this earlier, but I like creativity. I like boldness. I like confidence. I like somebody squeaky wheel. Who's not going to give up if they really want to be a personal injury lawyer in Detroit and they send me emails every week, you know what? They have to get looked at, read, deleted, whatever. And, um, um, so, so, I mean, those are some of the characteristics. I'm sure I'm missing a a, a ton of important ones. Like, I didn't mention legal writing or research or any of that stuff. But that's such a hard thing to interview and read. And I'm not reading your moot corp briefs. I'm not reading your your whatever you call it, that your professors uh, edited 16 different ways from Sunday. I'm not reading it. You could send them, but I'm not reading them. Um, um, Nobody's reading them. Um, Right. That's good to
1: know, right? Because we do get asked for writing samples sometimes. And you're like, how many pages? And you're like, okay, just send them something. They just want the sample. I'll
2: tell you what I want to see. Okay. I do want to see if you had that clerkship that I told you about, your second year clerkship that you think you're too busy to have, and you write a real brief for a real superior court or a real district court or whatever the heck you guys call them in your, in your area, that's real. I wrote this for attorney Mike Morse and he argued it and he let me come to the oral arguments and he won and here's the response brief and here's the order and I'm proud of it. And I wrote this. I want to read that. Okay. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, I I want to read that. Or or if you wrote a blog or if you did write a law review something or you wrote something, a white paper. um, Yeah, I would, I would, I would read that stuff. Um, if you participated in something, you know, participate in anything, something, have something to talk about. you got to have something on your resume. My first year, I didn't have much on my resume. Uh, most people don't. Right. Yeah. I mean, OK, so fine. But join a club. Do something. Um, volunteer. Get involved. Um, when I look at sometimes uh, when I used to look at resumes, I'd be looking at 20 at a time, 30 at a time. How are you going to stand out? I mean, that's not an easy question, but you have to. And, um, you know, these, these HR departments are looking at a 1,000 resumes. And some firms have specific criteria. They want these grades. They want law review. They want this. They want that. I never was interested in those firms, and we don't ask for that stuff, and I'm not interested in any of it. But, I mean, obviously, some of the students listening to this are going to be interested in that. And that's a different monster. I can't talk about that really. Um, Except, but even those people can be a little creative and a little squeaky and a little nudgy and, you know, um, different. Um, And in this, and I'm brainstorming with you guys right this second. I mean, I haven't thought about this in a while. I haven't taught my class in several years. Um, But, you know, if you were sending an email to a a, a big time lawyer, small time lawyer, middle-sized lawyer, whatever you call them, their life's online. What do they like to do? Do they like to peloton? Do they <laughs> like to uh, travel? Do they like to what? But you know what? Comment on it. Uh, uh, find something in common. Um, you know, send them something. Send them a little if you love this firm and that's the firm you've been wanting to work at your whole life, you know. Um, connect. We rec- I, listen, I run the biggest firm in Michigan when it comes to what I do. And if somebody sends me stuff, it matters. And I look at it and it catches my eye. So don't think it doesn't. I mean, we're not that busy. We don't, you know, I have a staff that protects me from, you know, phone calls. And I, you know, the, the, you can, I don't have a direct dial that you can get me right this second, but if somebody's sending me something, it gets to me. Um, I check my own emails. Um, and, and so you know, I'm just thinking if it gets to me, it's going to get to whoever your people are listening to, whatever jobs they want. You can get to your person. Yeah. Whether it be by DMing them on in Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you can friend them, give them a five-star review on their website just for being a good guy, gal, good, good giving back, whatever it is, um, being an active member on their social media. Every, who doesn't want more likes? right? Who doesn't want more interaction? Um, that's what the lawyers are all talking about, how to figure out social media. So you guys, law students are probably for the most part, younger, understand social media better than most of us older guys and gals engage, be fans, be super fans, post share. Um, and I'm telling you, uh, I mean, I think that's pretty darn good advice right there. That will get my attention. I look at those things.
1: And I love that you talk about social media and even just DMing people, right? Like I got three
2: uh, daughters, two in college. So I know all that stuff.
1: (laughs) Okay, of course, of course. But I mean, people don't even think about that, right? Like, I know there's many lawyers that have followed us on Instagram and we've created relationships with them. So you know, even if you're a listener out there in any part of the United States, we have listeners all over in other countries too, that there are people like you out there that are willing to help law students and that want to help law students and being bold and having a personality, like you said, are really good advice because I think sometimes we're pushed into a funnel to just be a certain way. And that's not always going to get you the job. And I think that schools in general, they really uh, force this narrative of it
0: really is all about your grades. Like if you're not in the top 5%, like you're not going to get a job anywhere. That's not necessarily true because we've both had experience where we've gotten jobs based solely on personality. And it's not even mentioned like whether grades are a thing, you know, so I I definitely think that's the way to go.
2: I'm, I'm. I'm telling you, nobody's ever to, my, to this minute looked at my grades from mm-hmm. law school. I had a four-point, top 10 in my class, cum laude. Nobody's ever looked at them. As I sit here today, nobody's ever looked at them. And I'll tell you this. For you two sitting here, I just had this brainstorm. You know, if you guys had a dream job, I don't know what firm, I don't know what you guys want to do. Uh, I would talk about it on your podcast all the time. I'd give free po- – like, do you guys listen to Gary Vanderchuck ever? Gary Vee? You know who that is? He's a social media guy. He always talks about wanting to buy a specific, I think it was the the, the Jets or the Giants or one of the New York teams. And he talks about it all the time because he's putting it out there as a reality. And, and, you know, I'm telling you, you guys talk about the Mike Morris law firm on your podcast. You guys say, Oh my God, I hope I can work for him. That guy one day, you're getting a job. And so, you know, put it out there in the universe. Um, You'll get somebody on from the law firm, or even if you don't want to work there, but you admire the Innocence Project and Barry Sheck, and you talk about him, and he'll come on your show. And he's a big star, you know, big legal star, Or you know, just use the power that you have. And even the law students who don't have a podcast have some power, right? They have some following. They have some social media. They have. Something like find your something, talk about it, get excited about it. Um, use whatever you have, and if you don't have a great personality, you got to find something else. Uh, and yeah. there's, some who, there's certain people who don't have a great personality, and those people will be appellate writers in the basement of some big law firm one day, probably. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I apologize for you people without personalities, but that's not. That's but you know what I'm saying. I mean you you yes. know interviews. You gotta you gotta kind of wild. Wall- the person and it's hard to fake it's hard to fake
1: yeah and i think you talked basically about in law school building your brand and i think that's the best advice that you can give a law student right now especially just with us talking about building a successful firm and everything like that just it kept coming back to that brand and who you are because your brand and your firm grows from you
2: a thousand percent i i listen if somebody would have told me build your brand in law school i would have i would have been way more successful way earlier yeah and um no lawyers are th- no baby lawyers or law students are thinking about that right now they they want their job they yeah. want to work for somebody they don't they they're not thinking about their future and maybe 90% of them shouldn't be thinking about it but but the the, the ones who want to one day run their own firm or the ones who are going to set up that you know set up their own from right out of law school. And there, are, there is a percentage that do that. They can't get jobs. So they yeah. go out and be criminal defense lawyers and get assignments or they go do whatever it is. You know, those people really need to do something early uh, to, to, to get noticed. Because it's all about attention these days, guys, right? It's all about getting attention. Every type of business, e- lawyers and doctors and everybody wants attention. And that's what brand is, right? You, you have to, you have to um, leverage that attention. And if you have a good brand, that's, I mean, that's the key, in my opinion.
0: So now that you've reached this level of success where you have the biggest, most successful personal injury firm in Michigan, what does your day-to-day look like? Because I'm sure it looks a lot different than it did 13 years ago before it blew up.
2: That is a fabulous question. And one that you know most lawyers aren't going to tell you uh because you know i have 2500 3000 clients um and they they they're being handled by 40 of the best lawyers in michigan um i have set up an amazing firm that allows me to work on exactly what i want to work on um and things that I love to do. So today, I talked to clients on the phone, talking to them about the settlement offers. I did a Zoom, uh, what we call here in Michigan, a case evaluation where we're convincing a panel how much we think our case is worth. I'm brainstorming on big cases. Should we try it? Should we settle it? I'm mentoring the younger lawyers. I'm talking about state-of-the-firm speeches that I give to my firm every quarter that I'm giving tomorrow that... Um, you know, what I'm going to say to them to motivate them. So I'm definitely more in a leader manager, management role right now. I'm not in the trenches as much as I used to be. I'm not trying as many cases as I used to try, um, but I'm leading and managing my firm. I'm the visionary of my firm. Um, and with that comes uh, benefits. I get to, I have three daughters. Two of them are home from college. They're going back this weekend. I get to spend time with them. I worked out with them today. Uh, I had lunch with them today. I got to, you know, I have some, um, I have more free time than I used to uh, because I've set up my firm like a business. It's not like a law firm. Okay. I know lots of partners 25, 30 years into it who are still 60, 70, 80 hours, you know, behind their desks. And that's not, that wasn't my dream. My dream was to find better, smarter people than me to handle my caseload. And I get to come in and affect the cases exactly where I want to affect them, exactly where I'm good at affecting them, like trying a good case, arguing a good motion in front of a judge or a panel, my personality using that. Um, um, I'm on TV here in in Michigan, so my clients see me. They like talking to me because they see me on TV, so they think that's fun. I think it's fun. I love talking to my clients every single day. I talk to my clients. My clients know. Well, I'll tell you one rule that I have: treating it like a business. If a client calls and says to my front, I have four receptionists. Uh, if they say I I, I left uh, two messages for Jamie uh, and he didn't call me back, the call gets transferred to me. So what happens? Do my lawyers want that to happen? No. So that happens not very often. But when it happens, when they're when they just can't get to the call, it comes to me, and I lo- and I and my clients love me, and I love my clients. So it's it's not talking to 150 clients a day, but it's, 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 you know, I'm deployed exactly where I need to be in my firm. So, um, my day-to-day is fun and interesting and never the same. And I have a lot of freedom to do what I want to do. And I'm a brainstormer. I I have to keep everybody employed. So I got to keep coming up with new commercial ideas and marketing ideas. And I'm never stopping with that because I love, love, love it. If I wasn't a lawyer, I i would be in marketing and advertising. I got some great commercials out there. You guys would laugh your asses off if you watched (laughs) them on my YouTube channel. We'll go check it out. Mike Morse Law Firm, after YouTube, Mike Morse Law Firm. I have, um, I won two national awards last year for my 30 and 60 second commercial. Um, I'm running around with a mask on my face and one of them (laughs) in a black and white spot. I'm chasing an ambulance in another one. Um, So you guys should definitely uh, check them out. Okay, Um, we'll do. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do all day.
0: That's really cool. That sounds like the dream, you know? Yeah. I want to get to
2: there for sure. (laughs) You can, and you will one day. Yes. You have to put it out there. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) You were talking about earlier manifesting and putting it out there. And yes, that I am right now. I'm going to have my firm one day and end up running it like a business and not like a law firm. I love that you said that. It's so true. Um, a business makes money when you're not there. Like that's what I've always learned. And so you're right. If a law firm is dependent on you to do all the work, how are you going to uh, handle everything if it's all on your shoulders? So
2: also. let me say one more thing. Okay. Let me say one more thing. You just, you just reminded me of something that's really, you said something really smart and in the book fireproof, we talk about having a vision and, 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 and having core values. And, you know, that'll probably, that would probably be number seven on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want a vision, you, you need core values, you need focus, you need, you know, you just said, man, you know, you said, it, I said it, you know, manifest it. But listen, I, I know people who believe in vision boards. And what do you see your future guys? And, 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 you know, whether you do a real vision board or you just write it down on a goal list, um, you should have goals. You should have a vision for your future. If you liked what I just said for yours, tweak it, write it down, cut out some things, make it beautiful, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your desk, put it on your wall. And I truly believe, um, that you can man- that truly you can manifest that with the right goal setting like god i wish somebody had this conversation with me in law school because i didn't have this i didn't have any of what we're talking about i had to make it up for 15 years until my coach said hey you know you don't have to meet every single client and represent every single client you can hire better smarter lawyers than you to handle those cases and i'm like what you could do that. I mean, I'm telling you, I had to learn everything that I'm talking to you about. And I wish in law school they would tell you these things because it, it won't take you 15 years, maybe in five years, maybe in three years. You can realize that you can leverage other people. You're going to realize, oh, I'm not so good at this. But I can admit that. I'm not the best writer. I'm not the best researcher. I'm going to find somebody better than me and partner with that person or hire that person to do the research and writing so I can go off and try cases because I love that. I'm great at that or whatever it is. Nobody tells you that stuff.
0: It's true. They they really don't. And I think at least our school, they really um, harp on experience and all that kind of thing. So I'm happy that we get to do that, but I think there are a lot of schools and we've talked to a lot of students where they don't really get to have that real life experience. That's going to show you like how to run your own firm ever.
2: The, the, the law schools need to have figured that out. They need to figure it out. They need to get you guys into law firms. They need to, you know, get you shadowing or do one of those clinics, right? They call clinics. I'm sure you guys have clinics. Um, clinics are great. You should be you know, the ones that let you represent somebody for a social security or a workers comp or a criminal matter or whatever, divorce. Handling a case in law school is a good thing. It's something, it's one of those things that I was referring to earlier, something to talk about, right? If you had a one divorce case throughout your law school career, you have something to talk about. You wrote stuff, you argued stuff in front of a judge, you had a client, you learned things,
0: So let's talk a little bit about your book, Fireproof. So what inspired you to write this book? Like why, what was the why behind you writing this book?
2: I felt like it was time to give back. And that's kind of why I went to law, did the law school uh, teaching 10 years ago. And then uh, I stopped that for various reasons. And I thought, okay, now's a good time to give back, give out all my secrets. I feel like I developed some. I, I, I figured out the secret sauce to 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 and I, to killing it as far as running a law firm. And I I didn't feel right keeping it all into my into my own heart and my own brain. Uh, lots of people have said to me, I've done you know lots of podcasts and webinars, and they're like, why you give away all your secrets? And it didn't even dawn on me that I was doing that. Um, and and I didn't mind it. Uh, at all. And now I'm consulting other law firms um that just was not a planned business it came out of the book. I have over a dozen law firms who called me and basically pleaded with me, help me do what you did to my law firm and that's gratifying and that's fun and I carve out time out of my day to do that stuff too. I forgot about. Um I was on the phone today with a guy in Minneapolis who's struggling to, you know, Find that person to help him run his law firm. So we talked for a half hour about that. And to me, just talk like talking to you guys. I'm, you. I hope you could tell that I'm enjoying myself and this isn't fake. And I'm teaching a little bit and I'm giving back a little bit and it's fun, right? And so I like having fun. I'm all about fun. And um, I don't even remember your question right now, but uh, it's. Uh,
1: i it's, too much fun. Oh, why
2: did I wrote Why I wrote the book because I thought it'd be fun. And, yeah. and why not? Yeah. Uh, uh, and so and it was fun. It's an Amazon bestseller, seller in six different categories. Um, that's fun. My ego likes that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't know if if I was going to sell two copies and people are going to think it was shit. I how yeah. do you know? Um, it's too so dumb. you don't know. And and so um, and you guys didn't know when you put on your podcast that people are going to listen and people are going to like it. Are people going to give you all the five star reviews that you guys have all over Apple Music? That's great. And, and so you guys took that risk and you took that chance. You, 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 you guys are the women in the arena. Um, you, you've read that old, the old, um, I'm blanking Franklin Roosevelt quote, um, you know, the, the man in the arena and you guys have put yourself out there and you're open to criticism and ridicule and, 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 and the opposite of those things. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote my book, they could have hated it. And listen, I got a one-star review. I don't like it but I got 162 five-star reviews and I like that. Not everybody's going to like it, right? Um, You get those thumbs down sometimes. Who the hell does Who the hell's giving you a thumbs down, right? That's the most positive thing you guys did, but you're putting yourself out there. So I admire what you guys are doing. Um, The book is the same thing. Uh, Put myself out there sharing my, uh, you know, sharing what I know. Maybe it's a little bit of a legacy thing. Um, Maybe one day law students will read it. which would make me really happy if I could figure out a way to donate it to law students. I would, um, you guys have access to letting me do that. I would, I'll send you copies. If you send me an email and remind me. Um, but that's, um, that's why I did it. And it was, it's so far, so far I'm having fun.
1: That's awesome. It also sounds like a creative outlet and something that you can just express yourself. And like you said, give back. I think that, um, that's awesome. And sharing your secrets. I really find that, like you said, people are asking you, why are you sharing your secrets? And the fact that you didn't even question it says a lot about your personality. So I think that that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing so much with us because I feel like I learned a ton and, and validated and the hard work. I know I was just about to say I wish that we had a professor like you that would have like told
0: us this stuff. And I'm sure that so many students listening now and even attorneys that listen to the podcast are going to be like, why are we not learning this in school? Yeah.
2: Well, that's, I mean, it's flattering that you guys say that it's my pleasure to share this stuff. And, and I don't know why. Um, That's why, you know uh, that's why we wrote the book and, and hopefully, you know, the conversations will start. You guys will start them. You guys are having this by the fact that you invited me on here today means that you guys are interested in it. And you know, the, the is out there, or they just gotta, just gotta, we just gotta communicate it better, I guess.
1: With that being said, Mike, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and your book?
2: So, Fireproof uh, is on Amazon. You just type in Fireproof. Maybe you might have to type in Mike Morse. There's actually a few books called Fireproof. It's five steps to uh, taking your law firm from unpredictable to wildly profitable. 855 uh, Mike com is my website. 855 Mike Wins is my Instagram handle. Check out YouTube with the commercials. Uh, please subscribe and, and like all our stuff too. Cause you know, we, that's how we know we're doing a good job and send me an email. If you have want any more advice or questions, or you want to come to Detroit and learn how to do personal injury work. We're open to anything.
1: Awesome.
0: Oh, I'm sure all of our Michigan listeners are going to be looking you up and being like, um, you said I could email you. believe yeah. I am come intern for you?
2: So, Oh boy. I might have to get another second assistant, uh, but no, that's fine. Email away
0: so thank you so much for talking to us today and we hope that everyone loves this episode just as much as we did
1: yes thank you so much mike
2: my pleasure thank you for having me on i really appreciate it
0: wow guys so who's ready to open up their own firm now Mm because I am I know that Haley and I are planning on reading the book fireproof and getting to know all of the tips and tricks to open up your own firm because I know that honestly that's one of our dreams one day to own our own business Um, we do own our own business but like you know a law business technically we do own a law business but like a law firm yeah a law firm (laughs) you know Um, so I loved having him and I think that you guys will really appreciate his tips.
1: Yeah, he is one of a kind. I mean, such a great personality. You can totally tell that if he didn't um, pursue law, like he, his path had intended for him, he would have made a really great marketing and advertising guy. Also, right before we
0: recorded this outro, we watched some of his ads on YouTube and guys, they're so good. So definitely check out his YouTube uh, law firm ads. They're so funny and really well made. So take notes.
1: Yeah. And we'll link those down below of course, for you guys. Also, uh, make sure and check out our corresponding Instagram post with this episode. It kind of outlines more of what he talked about and just things that we can do for ourselves as young law students, getting ready to embark on a journey that is going to be your career forever, right? Uh, he's been doing this for what, 20 plus, almost 30 years. Like, This is awesome. It's so aspiring and uh, ambitious that he has what he has done for himself. So I know that it gives us so much um, encouragement. And so we want to make sure that you guys have something you can save and go back to because I know I need that. So
0: next week, we will be giving you guys an update on our jobs and how that's going because a lot of you have asked what a day in the life at our jobs that we've now been at for a little bit more time now. We can finally talk about them in more depth now that we know what's going on. So we will definitely be doing that in the next episode. And we have a few more guests lined up for next month. And also Valentine's Day is coming up. Haley, do you want to tell them what we're going to be doing for our Valentine's Day special?
1: Yeah. So we are going to be talking about the juicy love stories that Everybody has in law school. I know Samantha has one of her own, ha ha ha. But we are going to turn to you guys and we really need your help for this. We need you guys to email us or you can even DM us on Instagram and tell us about your crushes, your good, bad, and the ugly love stories that you've had in law school and on this law journey. Um, So we can share with everybody and kind of have a good laugh about it and just have that romantic spirit alive for our valentine's day episode so like i said we really need your help so please send us those stories if you have a friend that you know has a story try or tell her or him to please submit it so that we can all laugh and enjoy it or even maybe cry a little you never know
0: also if you really really are embarrassed or like want to stay super anonymous you can always have a friend send in your story for you yes just oh, an idea, idea you know if you really want to keep it on the down low but honestly like pinky promised, we would never tell anybody like yeah. just you can trust us i promise
1: okay well guys thank you so much for joining us for this special interview with someone who is just wise beyond our total imagine. We learned so much and we are so thankful to be able to talk to him and read his book. If you are interested in reading his book, you guys let us know. You know where to find us on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure and like us and follow us. Join our Facebook group. And like I said, if you're interested in reading his book, let us know. Yep. Make sure to
0: pay attention to our Instagram because who knows, maybe we'll be giving away copies. I don't know. Stay tuned.
1: All right, guys, well, stay safe, stay healthy, and we love you, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.